you, you have to fail a lot <laughs> to be successful. So, so I think I'm just used to it. <laughs> I, I take it as every day, <laughs> you know, I make decisions. It could be right, it could be wrong. If it's wrong, I just, I assess why I was wrong and I move on, you know? So, so I think um, that's what gives me the confidence um, that the failure doesn't define you, especially a one-time failure. Welcome to Enoughness. This is Lisa Carmen Wang, U.S. National Champion and Hall of Fame gymnast turned serial entrepreneur. This is a show that dives into the deeply personal stories of top business leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes who share the defining inflection points that help them embrace their life's purpose and answer the question, how much is good enough? Today, I'm here with Tina Chang. She is a serial entrepreneur, founder and CEO of Capsule, a direct-to-consumer 3D printed jewelry tech platform that uses 3D printing to make customizing jewelry faster, easier, and more affordable. She recently launched a patent-pending computer vision app that plays back your memory by scanning jewelry and makes each piece of jewelry into a unique capsule. And story about how Tina and I met. So back when I started my previous company, SheWorks, we actually met in LA when it launched in LA and Tina took over as a director for our LA SheWorks chapter. She's been amazing. And so I've been continually impressed with Tina and her ability to consistently scale her company while she was also leading the charge, uh, inspiring so many women in the LA chapter of SheWorks. And then she's also a mother. Um, So she is a triple threat, if not more. And so Tina, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Enoughness podcast to share your story. Thank you, Lisa. Great. Um, Yeah, great to see you again. And thanks for having me. So I'd love to just start with your journey as an entrepreneur. A lot of people don't realize what goes behind the scenes. You know, on the outside, there's glamour, there's press, there's funding and millions of dollars, um, which you've raised. But tell us about how you got started and some of the ups and downs that you've gone through to get to where you are today. Yeah, um, I actually started my entrepreneur journey very young at um, the age of 22. I started my first business in Old Town Pasadena right here in California. And um, yeah, I was running a um, 40 people operation. Um, It was actually the largest nightclub um, at the time, like 6,000 square foot. And, um, you know, um, it was a very profitable business. I learned a lot, definitely, and um, went on to um, other business ventures, which included a, um, a boutique day spa in New York. Um, I also ran um, and operated and owned the largest maternity center in Taiwan. It's wow. a um, sixty. Yeah, it's a sixty-room hotel that caters to um, postpartum moms, and um, you know we provide postpartum postpartum health care, as well as 24-7 baby care. Um, very interesting concept that, you know, I'm actually eager to bring to the U.S. as well. Um, so after that, um, I actually came back to the U.S. and um, had a, uh, a career in um, also investment banking and um, real estate private equity for a few years. 
And then I actually got hired by one of my clients to start another e-commerce business for him in Asia. So I was um, hired as uh, the country manager for Taiwan. Um, it was an e-commerce platform with operations in six countries in Asia. Um, we actually grew that very quickly and um, I, w- I got promoted to be the CEO and um, we subsequently sold that company to a NASDAQ traded company for $65 million. Um, I continued to run the company as a CEO, um, grew it to about 200 people operation, um, and then really decided that um, I wanted to come back home to LA. And um, after I came back, I um, got a job as the chief operating officer of another customized jewelry company. And that's actually where I learned a lot about the jewelry industry and got super intrigued by it. Um, and, and decided to leave and launch my own brand, Capsule, as um, the brand that stands for customized jewelry using a lot of cool technology um, to really revolutionize the jewelry industry, which is quite antiquated and um, fragmented. Got it. So, I mean, that's, a, that's an incredible journey. And you've done all of this, you know, cross-border, you know, from Asia all the way here. And also while being a mother... Um, so tell us about some of the toughest moments that you've had, because I'm sure it hasn't all been amazing, um, even though it seems like it. Yeah, it's like what you said, you know, that is what entrepreneurship is about. And a lot of people think, you know, being the CEO and, you know, being a business owner, just all about, you know, commanding a team and telling people what to do. And it's not like that at all. You know, being an entrepreneur, you really have to do I mean, it's basically whatever it takes um, to get things done, right? Um, I mean, I know people think like being a nightclub owner might be glamorous. A lot of times I'm just, you know, picking up broken glasses on the dance floor, (laughs) you know, calling plumbers to fix the toilets and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just not about like doing like what's interesting and what you're passionate about. I mean, being a business owner, you're really basically, you know, have a hand in all aspects of the operation. And before you have a team, um, you have to be willing to take, you know, um, to, to, to really, you know, play that role, um, of everything. You know, the other day I was laughing cause you know, um, yeah, one day, you know, I'm like commanding a 200 people team and, you know, the next moment at my startup, I'm like, you know, shipping boxes out of my living room. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so it, it really is, um, um, every day you don't know what challenge you're, you're facing and it's, it's really, you know, um, taking each day as is and um, really um, prioritizing like everything that's um, thrown at you and um, what's the most important to get you to the next steps. Yeah. Well, with Capsule, it's, you mentioned that you felt like the jewelry industry was antiquated, um, but what else about doing this really drove you to start your own company and go through this journey? You know, what's been amazing to me is that I've actually always been um, in male dominated industry. I I graduated as a structural engineer. Um, I worked on wall street. I worked in real estate. So I'm like very used to being the only woman in the room, particularly in leadership. Um, But it's when I, you know, um, joined the jewelry company um, which is very women specific, that I realized even in the jewelry industry, over 90% of leadership, every, everything from like the supply chain, executive, and um, even store owners are mostly men. So yeah, most traditional jewelers are men. 
And um, that's what shocked me. <laughs> and, um, and what really drove me is that I was still reporting to a male boss that didn't know anything about why women wear jewelry, what appeals to women. And um, I just kind of wanted to, I, I felt like it would be so much easier if I just did this myself. <laughs> and, um, and I really felt passionate about women running women-focused businesses. And um, again, it was like shocking to me that, you know, um, yeah, most jewelry brands are run by man, men as well as a lot of beauty and fashion. Mm-hmm. So that's really what drove me to, you know, um, launch my own brand because I wanted to see more women in um, women-focused business running them um, as well as just uh, more women in entrepreneurship in general. Mm. Where did you find the confidence to go out and do that? Because oftentimes people see these problems or they want to do something, but then they, I mean, most people don't make the leap. So where did you find that enoughness or that, you know, that belief in yourself? Well, um, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, um, entrepreneurship for the past 20 years. And I would say in the beginning with my first business, it's probably ignorance, you know, so it was just like going into it, um, not being afraid of anything, not being afraid of failure. You know, I was 22 and what was the, you know, the most that could go wrong. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't invest a lot of money and I just went into it. And um, so, so throughout the entrepreneurship, there's definitely been success and failures. But um, I think part of um, what keeps me going is realizing that failure is actually normal um, it is part of every entrepreneurship journey. Um, success is just, you know, it's not a straight line. And it's really, you know, when you fail or something didn't work out the way you want to, you just kind of accept it and um, move on, like learn from it and move on. I think that's the biggest lesson that um, I've learned through all this, um, that, you know, failure I mean, in fact, like you, you have to fail a lot <laughs> to be successful. So, um, so, so I think I'm just used to it. I, I take it as every day, you know, I make decisions. It could be right. It could be wrong. If it's wrong, I just, I assess why I was wrong and I move on, you know? So, so I think um, that's what gives me the confidence um, that, you know, failure, like the failure doesn't define you, especially a one-time failure, you know? I mean, I mean, what defines you is if you stop after you fail. Right. So, so if you're, you know, constantly just reiterating, like this didn't work, let's try the next, then, you know, you're, you're not really bogged down. Yeah. Um, any failure. Well, failure is one of the fear of failure is one of the greatest fears that prevent people from taking action. And um, I think the important thing to note of what you just talked about is the separation of failure from your own identity. So a lot of times we take failure really, really personally and we say, okay, it's, it's not that this thing failed, it's that I am a failure. And so mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really important for people to remember that um, you know, failure, as you said, doesn't define you. It doesn't mean that you are a failure. Right. It just means that, yeah, maybe you made the wrong decision. Maybe, you know, something out there, it, maybe it was an external factor that made it so that it just didn't work out. Um, but the real failure when it actually is part of your identity is when you decide to give up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and you can decide to give up if you know, if you don't, you know, if you no no longer feel that passionate about what you're doing, or, you know, you just accept that this business model doesn't work, and that's fine. That's not a failure on your part. It's not a representation of yourself. 
is a representation of the circumstances. And I think that's actually what I'm really good at doing is, you know, I mean, I'm fine accepting failure, but, you know, I, I'm like moving on, <laughs> you know, like just basically um, the fear of failure, I feel like come from um, just really like not, not being able to um, either start again or, but I know um, that, yeah, I just believe in my own ability to always pivot and find the next best thing. And um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, you know, not having that fear of failure and accepting failure as being normal is what like kind of doesn't give you that fear of failure. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, yeah, I'm not afraid to fail basically. Yeah. Well, the other important distinction is the, you know, knowing when to give up, you know, um, which is what you mentioned. And I, I actually get this question a lot when I talk about failure and people say, well, you know, if you keep going, like, what if you're going down the wrong path? And because there, there are these messages where you know, I do believe that oftentimes the entrepreneur or the person who's successful is just the one who kept going, even when it was really challenging, even when it was like really low and most people would give up. But then there is that delicate balance of like, well, when do you, when do you actually admit that you're going down a dead end or it's just not worth it anymore? Yeah. I think it's when you lose the passion for what you do. I think, you know, that that's a super valid reason and a good one to give up. Yeah. And um, as well as just, you know, overall assessing of the business, um, if the unit economics, and this is particularly important in um, what I do, um, e-commerce and direct-to-consumer, if the economics doesn't work in the long term and it doesn't scale, then um, it's pretty clear that you don't have a business. Yeah. Um, Do you have any other fears that are in your life that you think hold you back? Um, I think I'm, you know, at a stage of my life where, you know, I really love what I do. Um, I really enjoy uh, my daughter, (laughs) you know, um, she's 15. And um, I I really enjoy being single, too. So I'm just very happy um, with where I am in life. And again, that I think a lot of that comes from not having that fear of failure. You know, I, I really go for whatever I feel like doing at this moment, at this stage. And if it fails, it honestly doesn't matter to me. I would just, I mean, my goal is to really push myself and be always doing what I want to be doing, what I'm passionate about doing at this moment. And, um, and, and that's a difference. Um, that's different from like having a goal of being sex- successful, right? So since my goal is to push myself and not to be successful, as long as I push myself, I'm happy. Yeah, like, it, I mean, the end goal, whether, you know, it succeeds or it fails, it like honestly doesn't matter that much to me. Yeah, if it fails, if it's successful, of course, you know, I'm doing everything I can. But um, if it fails, and, you know, for whatever reason, like the business doesn't work, or I lost passion for it, I would just move on to what I want to do next. Uh, Interesting point about pushing yourself. um, Because one thing, you know, of course, we're both Asian Americans. um, And so there is like the cultural, additional cultural pressure of, especially from an Asian culture that says, you know, work harder, push yourself more, you know, do more things. And when it's done to an unhealthy extent that, 
a place that I've definitely been, you know, it, like sometimes you don't even realize that you've been working for 20 hours a day and you're like, oh my God, I'm burnt out, but it's okay. Cause I got to keep working. I got to keep pushing. Um, how do you know when it's enough? Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I think I am actually um, very lucky in the sense that I have my daughter, Leah, and they're just these external factors that, you know, require your attention. And, um, you know, I love and enjoy spending time with her. And, you know, so, so there is a balance of, um, you know, like, wanting to work all the time, which, you know, we're in that culture where you're just on the phone, even, you know, in the middle of the night, answering emails, and there's a tendency to do that. But um, I really value my time with my daughter. So, so, you know, so, so we do um, have, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say we schedule time together, but it's just like pretty natural for me um, to, to get that balance where, you know, there's a constant, you know, like, also attention <laughs> that I want to give her. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think um, you're also, you also perform at your best when you're well rested, healthy, um, and, and taking breaks are healthy, you know, vacationing and stuff. I mean, a lot of um, what capsule is about is really capturing those um, pivotal moments and, you know, joyous memories in life so part of the brand is to create a lot of those moments. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it seems yeah, like your yeah. daughter is a really, uh, it seems like your daughter is a really grounding force in your life. Um, I'm curious because there's a lot of uh, women who, who feel like, you know, family, like it's, it's almost impossible to, to really invest in your family and your career. Of course, there's so many dominant narratives, right. That say, it's like, can you have it all? Can you balance it all? Can you be a mother and a wife and a, you know, a successful businesswoman? And it seems like you're doing that. Um, I'm, I'm curious as well, because you are also a single mom, um, as well as successful entrepreneur. How has that been for you? And have there been any challenges with that, you know, even earlier on in your career? You know, you know, the challenge is definitely very challenging when she was a lot younger and requires a lot more help. So I definitely get that for all the moms out there uh, with kids, you know, like under eight, <laughs> where you're just serving them and catering their, to their needs. And there's definitely just a lot of that that you can't outsource. <laughs> so so I, I think, you know, um, during that time, it is important to, you know, focus, bond, bond with your, your you know, um, kids at a, a young age. But at the same time, I feel like a balance is not necessarily about the proportion or the hours. Like it's not 50-50 between, you know, work and family. But um, to me, what's really work is actually not multitasking. So I think all women love and are great at multitasking. But um, to me, um, you get like a diluted experience of both like your professional life and your family life. So, so when I'm at work, I tend to really just focus 100% on what I have to do, the task at hand. Um, and, then, and then when I, you know, spend time with um, loved ones, I focus on that. So, so to me, I mean, so, so, so to me, the balance isn't like, oh, you're spending eight hours family time and eight hours um, professional time. To me, um, quality time is more important than quantity. So I may spend less time overall with my daughter than most, um, I would say, stay-at-home moms, but um, I really value that the time I spend with her is like true quality. Like I used to, you know, go into even her school to be a reading parent. I'm not, <clears throat> when she was young, um, 
yeah, I spent less time with her. I would say, you know, of course, in general, compared to a stay-at-home mom. But I was at, you know, every field trip there was. And I just really value those, like, quality time yeah. and being there at the moments. Yeah. So it's really that, that presence and just being where you are in the moment um, without thinking about work when you're with loved ones or... Um, yeah, I don't... Again, I, I just don't think it's about the quantity, you know. A lot of people think it's about, like, the hours of time, you know. But if I spend an hour or even have an hour of quality time with her where we really talk, um, I think that's better than, you know, spending the whole day but just, you know, constantly distracted with work and stuff. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the most defining inflection point in your life? So a moment that really shaped who you are that, you know, was, was difficult for you to overcome? You know, what's interesting. It was about the time we met. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we met, because um, it, it just, um, you know, when Trump won the election, it was almost a wake up call for me um, that, you know, a lot of the sexism, um, you know, or even racism that I face is not just for myself. You know, it is not particular to me. I, I really kind of understood that there is a systematic, um, you know, sexism going on at work. Like I said, you know, I, I didn't, I'm just so used to being um, around all men, especially in an executive position, that it, it didn't really um, occur to me that it's not just the male-dominated industry. It's, in fact, every industry is male-dominated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so because, you know, I was an engineer and I was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, it's going to be all men. But, you know, I come over to the women's side. And I'm like, what are you guys still doing here? <laughs> you know, and they're like deciding lipstick colors. No. <laughs> yeah. And um, and that's kind of when I, I truly felt like I want to devote my life um, into, you know, really promoting quality and, um, and given what I've done, um, I, I think, you know, really, I, I need to set an example for, you know, my daughter that, you know, women can um, build large businesses. Um, and I want to see more women, you know, truly building like scalable businesses. And, um, and that comes from, you know, not having, um, that comes from like having a support system for women of mentorship, uh, making more women into leadership positions. And then these leaders can then, you know, provide more mentorship as well as funding um, to fund other women. That's actually why I joined SheWorks. So it was really that political event that sparked something for you. And as I'm sure, I mean, it sparked a lot for women, sparked, you know, I think the Me Too movement in many ways, like it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't felt like our voices had been suppressed for so long. Um, so to uh, the push yeah, because I realized that's been the experience of literally every woman you know, in business. What would you say is the moment that you really discovered your voice and your power as a woman? A lot of the times we're, you know, being told what to do and not to rock the boat. And um, I mean, let's face it, I'm, I'm from Taiwan and um, traditionally um, the education for women is different or the expectation for women is very different from men. Um, for, for women is you know, the number one goal really is to marry well. <laughs> like, I'll never be as successful in my mom's eyes because I didn't marry as well as my sister did, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so, so different goals and expectations. And um, I think, you know, uh, I immigrated to the U.S. Um, at the age of 12 um, while my parents stayed in Taiwan, and that's really shaped me in terms of, you know, my independent thinking, 
um, without a lot of like external influence from cultural or um, like family because we, we like basically grew up by ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So, so I really, you know, um, you know, I was very independent <clears throat> and, and that's how I, you know, kind of teach my daughter to be like independent in terms of their thinking and not just going along with um, the flow or what other people expect of you. Um, so, so I really, you know, try to promote that, you know, going, going after what you want to do, what makes you happy um, and what your passion is. Um, and, and, you know, there's always a lot of self-doubt um, as an entrepreneur and as a, <clears throat> as a woman. Um, so, yeah, I think the way you really find your voice and um, your, your purpose um, <clears throat> is really to evaluate what you've done. And um, I mean, like women tend to almost place more trust in others than themselves. So, so I did a lot of that in the beginning where, you know, I'm like, oh, I think I should do this. But somebody said I should do that. And I, I realized that's the only time I regret anything and any decision is when I didn't believe in myself and I actually trust somebody who knew less than me, you know? And, and so, 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 so I realized I'm never going to do that again. You know, like if I made a mistake, I went with my intuition and it was wrong. I'll totally, I'm totally fine with that. I'll own up to it, you know, but what really gets me is when I do. I did something when other people, when I thought somebody else was right or somebody else knew more than me, um, when in fact they didn't, you know? Yeah. So, so I, like we always have to develop that sense of intuition um, and, and really reevaluate every time you're wrong. Like, wow, why was I wrong? This person was right. And, you know, try to kind of like correct that um, and not fall into the same trap next time. So, so you're all constantly honing um, your own sense of intuition um, so, so, so that builds confidence. Yeah. Build I think confidence. it's so important to have like yourself and a trusted group of advisors, like people who you really trust have your best interests at heart and you know, like where their expertise lies. I found that I, um, certain, like I, I'm one of those people, especially as a you know solopreneur, I don't have a co-founder. Um, that, you know, sometimes you have this echo chamber in your head and you just need to talk it out. You just need to talk to someone. But the danger with that is if you're talking to the wrong person and then they Absolutely. give you advice, right, you're, you might end up going totally wrong directions. So, um, you know, I, I know the people that I go to when I when I want like a second opinion, I'm like, here's, here's what this interaction was like. Do you think that, you know, this person is trustworthy? And I think for me, it's like trust is the most important at the end of the day. And I've certainly, I think my biggest, uh, biggest regrets when it comes to business was, uh, yeah, not trusting my intuition and over trusting someone else would deliver that they would be a good person, right. That they would follow through and have integrity um, and I ignored those red flags of those little things that that did indicate that they weren't the type of person that I should trust. Yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, we, we've all had that experience. There's so many so-called experts and gurus out there that, you know, like we, we just kind of blindly trust that they know more than us. But that's, you know, not the case most of the time. And, um, and, and even even if they're coming from the right place and they're trustworthy, it just, it doesn't mean they're uh, knowledge or expertise about your particular problem. 
you know, so, so I always say, you know, be open-minded to all advice, but be careful um, who you take advice from. And there's just like all these tendency for women to just always constantly asking for validation or, you know, advice when they're truly asking from the wrong person, you know, especially for entrepreneurship, a lot of people ask their family and friends and, and, you know, yeah, unless the family and friends are true entrepreneurship experts in your industry, I just don't think like they're the best people to get advice from. So, so I, yeah, I definitely think, you know, that that's like a major pitfall um, for most women in entrepreneurship. It's just, you know, blindly thinking that other people know more than you and taking advice from the wrong people. Yeah, and people ask me for advice on stuff all the time. And I'd be like, I'm not the best person to answer that. I mean, you know, people, I don't know why entrepreneurship, a lot of people ask me about like incorporation of the company. I'm like, you should talk to a lawyer. You know, <laughs> talk to like, I'm not the best. I started six companies. Doesn't mean I'm the best person to know, you know, to talk to about incorporating a company. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So I push people away all the time. Like I'm not the best person to talk to that about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but not everyone is like that, you know. Yeah, people are always trying people, to be, uh, yeah. especially um, a lot of people try to be helpful. They try to be helpful, you know, when when in fact, you know, they're they're actually kind of doing you a disservice if they haven't done what you do. Especially, I especially don't take any advice from anyone who really has not been an entrepreneur. So something that I do because I'm I'm the type of person who just I need to talk it out. Like sometimes I've realized like I could just talk to a wall. And it would still be better because I can hear my voice. I can hear my thoughts. It's kind of like like I, I'm auditory as well as visual learner. But that sometimes if I need advice on, you know, like a direction to go, that I try to at least ask several people so that mm-hmm. I'm not in just like tunnel vision based off one person says, oh, you should do this. You know, this is what I Absolutely. think. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, yeah, you can weigh like whose opinion you want to take and then factor in their voices as well as your own and then like check in with your intuition and say, okay, well, if five people are saying like this is the wrong choice, like m- maybe there's some validity to that. And Absolutely. I should- yeah, no, I, I'm open-minded and I am particularly ask my team um, a lot about what they think, and, but, but I make the decision, you know? So, I mean, like a lot of times I'll be like, oh yeah, they're totally right on this, you know, and, and, at the t- and, and uh, you know, a lot of times too, I would just make an executive decision because at the end of the day, uh, I'm the founder and um, I set the narrative, right? So, yeah, so I think, you know, I'm open to listening to all sides. Um, in fact, that helps me ultimately make the decision, but, um, but you have to really avoid, you know, um, just basically listening to, you know, or just taking everyone's word uh, and advice like word for word, especially they haven't been, you know, in your shoes. Yeah. And a lot of times when people ask me and it's, you know, um, for advice and stuff, if, if I know something that's absolutely like, this is the way it is, I will say that. And, but, you know, say based on my experience, right. Everyone has like different experience, but a lot of times when there's, you know, I mean, I, I tend to just ask more questions, you know, so, so that you can talk it out yourself and find the answer that works for you because my, you know, my experience is not going to be everyone's experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that last point is really important as, as a coach myself, I always say that the most important thing you can do for someone is help them come to the answer by themselves by asking them questions that they haven't considered. 
Right, 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 right. So I feel like a lot of people are trying to be helpful and give off these one-off advice based on their own experience, which is fine. But but the person asking the question has to realize that that's based on their experience and may not necessarily apply to you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the, the other thing that I like they said is, uh, just to highlight it, is the the thing, the, the ability to gather information, but then at the end of the day, I am the person that makes the final decision. I am the executive. I am the founder. And in this case, you know, we're, we're just like broadly applying it, not even the founder of your company. Like I'm the founder and leader of my life, right? At the end of the day, I am the one who will make the decision of which direction I should go. That's right for me. Um, and so I think always anchoring it back to that, that it's okay to gather information. It's okay to listen to other people's opinions. And actually it's encouraged so you can hear different opinions, but owning your power is really about making that decision. That's the best for you and having the ultimate say. Yeah. And also just owning that responsibility to it. You know, like I said, even the, I think back and the only, you know, um, decision I great regretted very early on in my entrepreneur it's just like I was finally following the advice for some people, you know, but, but now is it's like if I take advice from one of my team member and it turns out to be wrong, I still, I mean, it's still on me because um, I took their advice and, and I ultimately made that decision. So I, I still take responsibility for that, you know, and, and, um, and, and that'll just factor into, you know, my decision making process afterwards, you know, for the future. Yeah. Well, it's awesome because I think that you really embody, uh, this is a pledge that I give to all of my clients is the full responsibility pledge. Take full responsibility for the things that happen in your life, whether good or bad, because it's so easy and it's incredible how many people do this. They blame other people for their problems. Right, 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 right. I mean, as soon as, um, you know, like, like I said, there's several pillars, I think, accept full responsibility for your action, whether right or wrong, and accept that, you know, you're going to make the wrong decision sometimes. So yeah, and, and that's why I feel like I, I don't have that fear, fear of failure. Yeah. Um, awesome. So uh, in wrapping this up, I want to ask you, what is your definition of enoughness? Um, I think, uh, for enoughness for me, of course, um, I mean, it varies by person, but it's, it's truly doing what you love to do, you know, and, um, having the ability to do it or developing the ability to do it is really, um, I'm enough because, um, I'm truly doing what I love to do. Um, I want to push myself, um, out of the comfort zone and really live my life to the max. So as long as I'm doing that, the result doesn't matter to me and I'm enough. Awesome. And final question for you is what does it mean to you to be a woman? Um, I think a, a woman is about embracing your femininity um, as well as embracing your power. So a lot of um, people like to define women's role in society. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, it's time that women are free to do um, whatever they want to do. And also, um, I just really tell, you know, um, Leah that, you know, you're able to do um, I mean, anything you want to do. You can build big businesses. You can become a CEO. And um, if you want to, you know, focus on art and music, 
it doesn't matter. You know, you're just free to pursue um, whatever you want to do without this um, gender stereotype. Yeah, I think this is the right time for it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for continuing to push the narrative forward to being a role model for other women, for your daughter, for the next generation of girls. And I wish you all the success for the future of your company and can't wait to see where you go. Thank you. And thanks for having me again. Yeah, this was super fun. Thank you for listening to the Enoughness Podcast. I created this show to reveal the real stories behind the people we admire, to address this universal question we all have at one point or another. Am I enough? Just remember, you're not on this journey alone and you do have the power of enoughness. If you want to dive deeper and work directly with me to level up in your career and life to unlock the most powerful version of yourself, head over to lisacarmenwang.com or find me on all social channels at Lisa Carmen Wang. I love meeting and supporting my listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate each and every one of you. Subscribe, share with a friend with hashtag enoughness, and never forget, you are enough. <laughs>